Well, I'd, I'd like to uh, call this podcast today uh, The Big Trouble at Home. Uh, and uh, and my, <laughs> my good friend Pat to thank for that. Well, I, t- I mean, just trying to share happy news oh, is that with what your you wife. Uh, that was so sue to... me for that. Trying to yeah. share happy news. Guilty yeah. as charged. Oh, my God. Oh Guilty my as charged. You need to go to work for the DNC. <laughs> <laughs> or any media outlet. Yeah, thanks for that help. Uh, I'm in for a day of hell with my wife because what happened on today's program. Uh, and, and you will probably hear that unfold. Um, oh, she was all nice about it. But I'm telling you, I'm afraid to go home. In front of company, she was nice about it. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, we have a great show for you. We talk about uh, what's happening at the CDC. Big breaking news. We are in a constitutional crisis right now. The CDC decided that they were just going to disobey the executive order from the president and just run not one, but 13 weeks of uh, critical race theory training at the CDC, even though last Mm. week the president said executive order, full stop on all of that. They said it was a health crisis and they knew better than the president. That's a constitutional crisis. Wow. Who do they work for? They're not elected. Who are they working for? Uh, We'll tell you about that. Also, we have Tom Fitnon from uh, Judicial Watch. He also uh, talks a little bit about that in a different sense with a different department this time the department of justice all this and more on today's podcast you're listening to the best of the glenn beck program tom welcome to the program hey glenn thank you, you. we don't do fizes yet although who knows We're yeah <laughs> Depends on who's in in office. Maybe maybe you will. Um, I want to I want to talk to you about several things. First of all, Act Blue. Are you following uh, Act Blue at all? We have been. Uh, certainly, their fundraising for uh, Black Lives Matter Global Foundation has been of interest to us. So Act Blue is a conglomerate of organizations. They do the political fundraising for campaigns and candidates, and as you pointed out, their that PAC activity. Uh, but separately, they raise money through this charitable arm that then gets funneled to another third party, which is running Black Lives Matter as a fiscal sponsor. So if you want to give money to Black Lives Matter, you can't. You give it to Act Blue, that has, I guess, a pinky promise with this Tide Center, which is a far-left group that is acting as a fiscal sponsor for Black Lives Matter. You can't give a donation to Black Lives Matter. At right. least and have it, that, have it be tax-deductible. It's an unusual set of circumstances that if a similarly situated, well-known conservative group was involved in, there'd be calls for investigation. Oh, my gosh. And there should be investigations on either side that would do something as slimy as this. Act Blue, I think the latest document that I saw shows that about 7% of what goes into Act Blue actually goes to Black Lives Matter. So where's the rest of it going? Where's the rest of it going? Yeah, I don't know. I, you know, it's... I've never seen anything like this. I've been, I've been involved in nonprofit work for 20 plus years. And uh, the idea of a fiscal sponsorship, uh, that's something the left has been doing, though, when you think about it. Remember ACORN? Yeah. They kind of operated the same way. They mm-hmm. had all these allegedly independent groups that were run by one central organization. And in this case, it's the Tide Center, which uh, 
is the uh, incubator for the far left and their organizations. Yeah. I did a lot of work on the Tides Foundation and uh, called many, many names. Nobody did anything about it. And now look at the juggernaut that they um, that they are. Any comment on on, you know, two hundred million dollars plus being uh, gathered from donations from homeless people or people that don't have a job? It's an awful lot of money, isn't it, Tom? It is a lot of money. And uh, again, uh, the area of political fundraising, they report what they report. And unless someone's willing to get behind the numbers and get behind uh, the the self-reporting, uh, this is going to go on not only with Act Blue, but everyone else. And uh, uh, Act Blue suggests that the reason that they have all these unemployed people is because they're homemakers or they're wealthy and they don't need to, to report anything other than being unemployed or self-employed but you know it highlights the fact that uh, a lot of money sloshes around in our political system and despite all these laws for transparency which i really don't put much faith in anyway uh both on principle and in practical and practical issues uh, practically speaking uh it's hard to track where all the money's coming from and so all this concern about foreign funding you know there are a lot of easy ways for foreign nationals to participate in our election system without getting caught in an improper way. All right. Let me change the uh, subject. There is a story that uh, I read um, well documented, well sourced, and I am not seeing it anywhere that the actual whistleblower during the impeachment was Vinman himself. Lieutenant Colonel Vinman was the guy who was on the phone call was disturbed, as in his own words, because it was going against a policy that he uh, agreed with and and had worked hard on and wanted to see pursued. And he he went and talked to Schiff, if I understand this right. He couldn't be the whistleblower because he was on the phone call, so they needed a another guy. And he went and told someone about it and said, blow the whistle, go to Schiff, go to these people and blow the whistle. Um, that is that. Do I have that right? I think it's I think it's close enough. Uh, it, it became pretty clear during the impeachment hearings themselves when he was questioned on it, that Vindman had, had talked to the alleged whistleblower that uh, Schiff colluded with improperly, in my view. You know, and my concern has always been, been that you know, just because someone else is has a national security clearance, it doesn't mean you can tell them everything, that, anything you want, just because if it's classified. They have to have a need to know. And if he was improperly sharing the contents of that classified call, A, with his brother, or B, with his buddy over at the CIA, evidently, that was the actual whistleblower, who had worked previously in the White House, both under Obama and Trump, that would have been inappropriate. And I've always I've always been I've been highlighting the need that Vindman should be criminally investigated. The whistleblower should be criminally investigated. And to the degree Schiff was involved in the sharing and properly classified information in his staff, that criminal investigation should extend into the House. So here's my frustration. A lot of this stuff, Tom, we've had for months now. We've known yeah. a lot of really damning stuff. And it doesn't seem to be going anywhere. And if it is, it's it's going to happen during the election. And then what happens after that? 
Yeah, the Justice Department uh, has been asleep at the switch on virtually every major corruption issue here. And uh, Durham was appointed, for instance, in April of last year. And it's now, what, 17, 18 months later? I could use my fingers to count. We've had one plea agreement that was kind of half-baked. It was handed to him on a silver platter by the IG late last year. Nothing else. No report. Maybe someone's being targeted. Maybe Strzok gets indicted. I don't know. But in many ways, it's too late. If he does it now, politically, it's going to cause a maelstrom, um, which is unnecessary. And then B, as you point out, after the election, depending on who wins, it either lives or dies. So what happens? I mean, we have a horribly corrupt system that I wouldn't want a Democrat or a Republican to have to go through. I don't care who it is. But it is we have seen now a deep state. We're seeing it with the CDC. The CDC yesterday we found out is going forward with their uh, their their uh, critical race theory education, even though the president has signed a directive that no one in the administration, no one in our government is supposed to be holding those things. They just thumb their nose up. I mean, we have a constitutional crisis because there's there's no one that is answer, answering for any of these things. Who's in charge? That's right. I, I've, I've been highlighting the crisis. It's called the problem we have is we don't even have self-government anymore. You know, is it consent of the government when we elect Congress and they don't do anything and just write checks and then keep their eyes closed the rest of the time? No. The agencies don't think they're accountable to the, either the president or the American people. And depending on who's the president, the president doesn't act like he's accountable. We saw that with President Obama. And in in terms of the CDC and these other agencies, there's this casual sedition that goes on. It's really Mm -hmm. quite dramatic. Uh, And uh, it's happening virtually every day. I'm sure the president's frustrated by it. But if I were him in terms of like the the Obamagate and all the corruption, I would just go uh, declare a transparency emergency. Tell the agencies, release everything you have. Stop with the stonewalling. For instance, we just got the, um, the documents about the wiped phones by Mueller's team, 2731, however you count it. I don't know if you've been able to wipe your own phones, but I've never no. figured out how that could be done. No, I don't know how to do that. Yeah, DOJ's had the document for a year. A year. We, be, we actually first asked for the information back in December or, or the begin, at the end of 2018. We sued a year ago. So let's say the clock began when, then. Let's, let's be generous. They sat on it for a year. They are still hiding struck page documents. They're still hiding text messages. We just sued for Fauci emails. I don't know. It's not necessarily, it's necessarily because Fauci did anything wrong. We wanted to know CDC communications with WHO in China in the early days mm. of, the, um, mm-hmm. of the virus to see what the lies were that we were being told. They're telling us they can't get to them until at that, only at a rate of 500 pages a month, which means 8,000 pages will be reviewed, and, and that means we won't be getting them until, do the math, 2022? What's happening? What's happening contempt to us? Contempt for the rule of law. It's a contempt for the rule of law within the agencies, and the president's appointees don't give a rat's tail about this transparency. They don't, and it's resulting in, as you point out, a rule of law crisis. So what is going to happen? We can't 
continue as a nation. We have no trust in anything. We see people getting away with it. We, I see reports. FBI is looking into the funding of uh, Black Lives Matter and Antifa and these protests. Guys, it's not that hard. It's not that hard. And it feels like we're looking and looking and looking and then nothing happens. When is I mean, how do we survive, Tom, if nothing is done? Well, it's a challenge. And, and um, I say that judicial watch is one way forward. We kind of keep the government. It seems like it's completely out of control, but we bring it back down to earth using the rule of law and the accountability of free information, the Freedom of Information Act. So there's a, a, an ability to petition the government under our Constitution mm-hmm. that we have to exercise more forcefully and more regularly. Uh, the left is quite adept uh, at getting information out to destroy their political opponents from the government. Here we want to figure out about the corruption of the government, and Judicial Watch is often alone in pushing for it. Uh, Congress has got to reform and restore itself. Uh, and certainly the agencies have got to be curtailed and cut back because the abuses will get increase and metastasize the bigger and bigger government gets. In my view, it's and taking a 50,000 foot view, big government, big secrecy, big corruption, big oppression. They all go hand in hand. And uh, you've got to pull it all back. You've got to curtail the government, ensure transparency, reform and restore the Congress. And have a president and cabinet agency heads who take this seriously. In my view, IGs are like a uh, a waste of time mm-hmm. if the cabinet agency heads are doing their jobs. That's that's what they should be doing. Mm-hmm. The, the heads of the agencies should be the IGs. Well, I don't know if I trust. <laughs> I don't know if I trust. I'd like as many eyes checking on these guys as as possible. Yeah, uh, well, but- I hear you. But the IGs are a, crit- are a creature of the deep state, and our experience used to both suppress information and target whistleblowers. That's what they are. Remember, wow. they weren't put in there by the good guys. They were put in there by the radical left, who thought they needed to control the quote presidency uh, to keep um, uh, the bureaucracies mm. free to do what they wanted to do. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program, and we really want to thank you for listening. All right, so a new face, at least on the national scale, um, that I am aware of, uh, a guy who has been doing amazing work in the last few months and needs to be known by every freedom-loving person. Uh, His name is Christopher Rufo. He is a filmmaker, a writer, a policy researcher. Uh, He has directed four films for PBS, including his latest America Lost, that told the story of the three forgotten American cities. He is also the director of the Discovery Institute Center on Wealth, Poverty, and Morality, and a contributing editor at the City Journal, where he covers poverty, homelessness, addiction, crime, and other afflictions. Really smart guy and relentless. And people are starting to go to him now and say, I've got documents. And he is posting them online. And what he posted yesterday should chill all of us to the bones. Christopher, welcome to the program. How are you? Very well. Good to be with you. Uh, So tell me what you dumped yesterday. Yeah, yesterday was a big day because, as, as many of your listeners know, the president passed this executive order abolishing 
critical race theory trainings from all federal agencies. Uh, but uh, unfortunately, the CDC, uh, operating in direct violation of this order, uh, announced to their employees that they were moving forward with a very uh, kind of inflammatory critical race theory training uh, that spanned 13 weeks. Uh, I was able to obtain documents from inside the CDC, as well as a external PowerPoint that gives more content of the presentation. Uh, the content was truly horrific. It's talking about trying to destroy the system of meritocracy, trying to destroy the idea of American exceptionalism, and trying to weaponize the CDC to fight white supremacy. Um, but even more horrifically is that this was a direct violation. And actually, Glenn, this is breaking news. I heard uh, actually two minutes ago, uh, the director of OMB, Russ Vaught, uh, just announced on Twitter, he retweeted me uh, with a message saying that these things have been canceled, suspended uh, in indefinitely. Uh, and, you know, I, I imagine the White House was pretty upset, but this is actually a victory. The CDC has now been uh, kind of beaten back from its plan of continuing critical race theory training. So the the the, the bad thing here is, is that uh, the response from the CDC was, hey, look, we have to do this because this is uh, this is a health crisis. You know, racism in America is a health crisis and it's getting people killed in the streets. And so they just decided on their own. I will believe that something is actually being done when people start to clean house. I mean, this was I mean, did you get your was your source? Can you even say inside the system? Yes, my source was uh, inside the CDC. Uh, so I had direct access to the internal emails uh, that were you know, circulating about this training. So did you talk? I, to, I agree. Did, I think this is a this is a good first step yeah. uh, to uh, to cancel this training. But but there's really two problems. One is that there has to be some more severe consequences. Um, I know that if you were in a private company and you directly violated uh, the CEO's order on something in a big way like this, uh, you would be out the door within a couple hours. Uh, I think the same standard should be held here. Uh, but also, uh, I'm just one person with one set of sources. How many other agencies across the federal government are violating uh, the president's order? I've had some unconfirmed reports that I'm working on now uh, that it's happening in uh, multiple agencies, including Customs and Border Patrol. Oh, my gosh. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm working on this, uh, you know, today and tomorrow to confirm. But my sense is that it's the tip of the iceberg, that actually there are probably hundreds of these trainings continuing to happen uh, in direct opposition to a presidential order, which raises the question, what's the point of having a president uh, if he doesn't have control over his own administration? So this is the deep state. This is what is meant by the deep state. Unelected officials that think they know better than the duly elected officials that they are supposed to work for. They believe, ah, presidents come and go, congressmen, senators, they come and go. We don't have to do what they say. Just keep it quiet. Just keep moving forward. And they don't follow the directive of the duly elected officials. We do live in a fascistic state if that is true everything they say they're fighting well we got to fight fascism we got to fight with these police officers everything that you're saying you're fighting you're doing if you are part of the administration or the government and you are defying the orders of the president and help me out on this christopher i said a while ago that this is akin to when 
uh, Barack Obama said uh, the just war theory has to be taken out of the teachings uh, and we have to shut down the classes of the just war theory uh, in at West Point. I was wildly against that. Just war theory is what has stopped us from becoming the Nazis. I think it should be reinstated. But if the Pentagon would have said, sorry, Mr. President, we're going to teach it anyway. I would have been on the side of the president. You can't you can't do that. Otherwise, you don't have a presidency. You don't have a system of government. You have unelected people doing what they want. And unfortunately, I think that that's exactly what we have. I think that there is a kind of permanent administrative state uh, that operates on its own ideology. Uh, that really never changes depending on who's in office. And unfortunately, uh, for those of us on the right, uh, their ideology is kind of technocratic in nature, is progressive in nature, uh, is kind of scientific in nature. It very much dovetails nicely with a progressive administration. So I think what happens is that uh, we may score these tactical victories, like shutting down a training session, shutting down many training sessions. Uh, but the problem of the permanent bureaucracy remains. Um, how do we uh, make politics meaningful uh, if the largest organ of our politics, the federal government, which has, you know, more than a million employees, uh, uh, if, 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 if the president, uh, who's a duly elected under a constitutional system, cannot control the bureaucracy. And in the past, they had a spoil system, which had its problems. But one advantage of that is that it, the bureaucracy was political. Uh, the bureaucracy is no longer political. It operates independently yes. uh, of our political forces. And I think that is a, uh, a true uh, constitutional problem uh, that we'll have to grapple with for the years to come. Well, this is something that the Obama administration and uh, what was it? Uh, something 2.0, Society 2.0 um, uh, with uh, Clinton and Soros that they had developed. This is what they developed and, and a system that operates on its own, no matter who. That's why the president was targeted with Ukraine. That's why they made that such a big deal. That's a that's a hill to die on. And that's why I keep saying if the president doesn't do something about that, if charges aren't brought up and real people fired because of what happened, nothing's going to change. If he just says you're stopping these and he doesn't fire the head of the CDC, if he doesn't fire all of the people that were involved in this, this is a cancer. And it's going to continue to spread. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I think that it's important that uh, there be some sort of repercussion, because if the only consequence is that the training gets canceled, no big deal. Any other agency around the government will say, well, you know, we can go go forward with it. What's the worst that could happen? We'll get our training canceled. Um, but I think the attitude would be quite different if all of a sudden uh, you have uh, kind of civil service members uh, losing their jobs immediately. Uh, you raise the stakes, you create a disincentive to continue with this, um, because an executive order is only as good as, as, as much as you can enforce it. Uh, so I'm hoping that this first step that was just announced uh, uh, by OMB Director Vaught uh, is only a first step, uh, and I'll be advocating for uh, some more severe consequences. Uh, so will we. Um, and if, if you're exactly right, if they don't, uh, it's deep trouble. If they if they do, you will empower the whistleblowers as well, because whistleblowers are, are right now sitting there watching and saying, I've got something that everybody should know. But if I blow the whistle and the top people don't get fired, then I'm screwed. 
I mean, they'll just they'll just they'll just screw with me. They'll they'll go on a hunt to find out who it was. It will empower whistleblowers if they see justice being done. Um, and I, I commend you, uh, Chris. I, I think what you're doing is just tremendous. Just tremendous. Thank you. Thank you so much. You bet. Christopher Rufo, uh, you can find him and follow him on Twitter at RealChrisRufo, R-U-F-O, on, uh, on Twitter. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. You still have an opportunity to be my friend. No, I, I am being your friend. You are not. This is. I'm By, telling you right now. This is not. This might I mean, go well on air. It's not going to go well for me at home. I it's just. Not, I can't believe you haven't shared it with oh, everybody, you are including such. Tanya. Up to this point, it's okay. Really so exciting. Tanya is on the phone. Tanya. Oh. Uh, we okay. were just talking about Netflix. <laughs> Thank you. Are Thank you there, you. honey? Uh, yes, I'm here. Thank you. Okay, are you busy? Yeah, sorry. We should let you go. Uh, you know. No, she's got plenty of time, I'm sure. <laughs> okay. Uh, hey, right, we were just talking about Netflix, and, hey. and I think we should cancel our Netflix. Yeah, we yeah. weren't talking about we're Netflix. Just, yeah. What we were talking about <laughs> was his exciting we new purchase uh, at another, yet another auction, but it's a really important piece. I think you'll agree. Oh, uh-huh. I forgot very, very to tell exciting. you yesterday. <laughs> you just forgot? I did. I actually did. No. I did. Uh, uh-huh. And uh, and uh, you know, it's something that I think is a really important you know piece of history. And uh, and uh, and we and and we won at an auction yesterday. And when he did, because there was somebody else who was really trying hard to get it, so you know he got it at a basement bargain price. That's Pat the does good not. Thing. Pat wasn't there. He didn't know. He didn't know. And what price do you put on a one of a kind? Well, there is a price, unfortunately, yeah. that you can put on it, and you paid yeah. that price, which is great because now you have the item. Yeah, yeah. So and I'm sure he, and Tanya sounds excited, right? Mm-hmm. You're, you're no yeah, doubt excited I can't about wait. that. Can't wait to hear about this one. Tell her what she's what she's won. <laughs> Now, this is a really important piece of history <laughs> because it, I mean, it, it tells the story of the press and the way the, way the press hit it. Okay, just uh, it. Hmm? Spit it out. You are, the proud, it out. you are the proud owner of, FDR, of FDR's wheelchair. <laughs> Yay! I'll say it for you, Tanya. Ding, 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 ding. Wow. Yeah. So congratulations. Let me just ask you a question. Let (laughs) me ask you a question. Yeah. Does that, will that arrive along with? (laughs) What? I'm just, you know, just asking. Oh, no, no, there is nothing. Pretty sure there was nothing else. No, there's not. Nope, there was like nothing cousin, else. Best of my recollection, nothing. To the best of your recollection. Pretty sure there was <laughs> nothing else. It was just that. So there no. was nothing else in the auction that caught your eye. No, hmm. and it doesn't have to come home. I mean, somebody did ask me yesterday after I got it. They said, "Where are you going to put that?" Uh, and I said, I, I, I don't know. And they, and then somebody else said, you can put it right next to the, um, 
German Nazi uh, interrogation chair. Uh, yeah. And, <laughs> and so well, they were combo, fighting yeah. again. I mean, it was the same uh, time, you same know, two chairs, general. two nations, mm-hmm. you know. So, <laughs> all right, sweetheart, I love you. I love you, too. I was just wondering if it would come with uh, maybe a dozen scrumptious cookies. Oh, wow. Then I might be oh, happy. Yeah. Oh, might wow. Be happy about wow. Try to finagle yeah. some cookies that yeah. make the whole thing better. Right? Yeah. I, yeah. I have yeah. a connection. <laughs> what do you mean, maybe? <laughs> maybe? What do you mean, maybe? You owe it to me. I love you, honey. <laughs> I love you too. Bye. Okay, bye. Whew, that wasn't as bad as I thought. Yeah. Unless it's a ruse because she knew she was on the air. And she also don't know what you paid for it. So that helps a little bit as well, I'm sure. Um, she might be thinking that's a really inexpensive chair. <laughs> <laughs> well, she would be wrong then, wouldn't yeah. she? <laughs> she would. That's probably not a chair you're going to do wheelchair races with uh, up and no, down No, I the generally here. don't do wheelchair races anyway. <laughs> really? Uh, <laughs> no, you really? do. Huh. Yeah, You do, time. really? All the huh. time. Yeah, no, this one will not be used for that. Yeah. But uh, remind is, me when you're going over to the museum. It is honestly interesting because he... He did have the help of the press, and you know, no, 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 not the help of the press. They, they were complicit. They, re- he, he could not walk at all. Right, he could not walk. You'll see him with the with the you know the leg braces and the and the uh, the crutches. Yeah, but he had to have his son on one side and somebody else on the other side wow. actually lift him. Jeez. He would just swing his leg. So he could walk, but he had no power in his legs at all. They would build. And how long a time period was that? Forever. That was, yeah. From the. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was. The whole time. The whole time. And he, they would build ramps in front of buildings where his car could pull up. If there was a big federal building, you know, with all the stairs, mm-hmm. they would build a giant ramp. So his car would drive up to the very top step and he didn't have to worry wow. about steps. Wow. I mean, and no one in the press ever took a picture of it. That is incredible. That's incredible. You want to talk about fascism? That's fascism. Wow. That's fascism. When nobody in America really knew that. The reason why the, the, uh, the desk, the president's desk, the Resolute desk, mm-hmm. that was built by Queen Elizabeth as a gift to, uh, to our nation and given. Mm-hmm. FDR would sit behind that desk. It wasn't in the Oval Office. I think it was in the map room. And he would sit behind it, but people would come in for interviews. That's the reason why the little door is on the front. You remember that? Remember uh, John F. Jr., John F. Kennedy Jr., has that picture of him peeking out underneath his dad's desk? Mm -hmm. That door was put there by FDR to hide the wheelchair from the press. Wow. So there would be no pictures taken with him in a wheelchair. Wow. Isn't that incredible? It is. It is. And it's hard to imagine in this day and age of the press and, and how rabid they are, especially with, with Trump. But, I mean, any president wouldn't get away with that today. I no president. No. no president. And it was a good thing. It was a good thing. Here the Germans mm-hmm. are executing people that are handicapped, saying they're of zero worth, and right. they're being conquered by the guy who was in a wheelchair in a wheelchair and can't walk. Yeah. I mean, this is a really, really good thing.